Okay, welcome back to the Clemson Crew podcast, the self-feeder series. I am excited to have with me today my good friend Jason Morris, who's up the road at UT Chattanooga. And uh, excited to have Jason because, Jason, you were going to be our spring break speaker, and then we didn't get to have that, so I'm excited to have you on today. But love for you to just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and, and who you are. Yeah, I uh, obviously I really missed not having that spring break trip, as I'm sure you guys did more even than myself. And uh, loving the shirt you got on today, at least uh, at least somewhat uh, recalling the memory of the trip. Did every student get a shirt like that, by the way, or or uh, how did that go, Weston? Yeah, so um, thanks for throwing that out there on the podcast, Jason. So yes. Um, Students are going to receive the shirt. I think the ones who are in town have received it. And then uh, for the freshmen and others that have gone back home, we're in the process of of slowly getting it to them. But, uh, yeah, every student that signed up to go will still get the shirt and have the memory of not going to Destin for spring break. So (laughs) There you go. Um, Yes. So, uh, yeah, so I've been on staff with crew since the summer of 97. So that's like what, right at 23 years now, went to the University of Tennessee. And the reason I came on staff probably was honestly because my walk with God changed a lot in college. I, I, I probably was more of a cultural Christian coming into college and although I didn't necessarily change a lot externally, internally, I saw a big heart change in college. Like I saw a desire to, to know God, to follow God, to learn about God, to tell others about God. And just a, a beginning of, I guess you would say, desire or love for God began to really mm-hmm. grow in my heart in college. And it grew so much that my prayer was, God, could you use me in a similar way to impact students' lives for Christ. Mm. Um, There was a staff guy with crew named Rich Humphrey that was real influential in my life. In some ways, I just wanted to be a rich to other people. And so that's kind of how it all got started. And live in Chattanooga, Tennessee now. And my wife's name's Jennifer, and I got four boys. Nice. Yeah, so um – My relationship with Jason kind of started right out of the gate with our staff experience. We, uh, Heather and I graduated from Clemson in 2003 and then joined staff in 05 and found out our first placement with crew was going to be Eastern Kentucky University. Uh, And I did not know Jason at the time, but found out that Jason and another guy, Paul Hilliard, were were going to be my bosses. And so, um, yeah, I had a, a great experience that first year right up until they told me in October that they were leaving to move back to Tennessee. And uh, but, yeah, we've had a, a great friendship since. So, um, yeah, you, and, you you know, after a couple of months. Well, like, you know, I, it's not time. the first time. Yeah, that, that I've had somebody move away because I was on their team. Says, um, a, lot for, uh, says a lot for Heather's faithfulness. It's true. It really does. Uh, she is a saint. One quick story about that team. That actually probably was one of my all-time favorite staff teams. We just had a lot of fun that year. And mm-hmm. that was uh, that was 2006, 2007 school year, as I recall. Yeah. And one of the funny things about Weston is we would, we would meet for staff meeting at his house. And so it's him and Heather and me and Paul. 
So it was a real small staff team. And they had this kind of, um, they had a long couch and then they had a love seat. And Weston and Heather would often sit on the love seat. And not only that, they would sit under a blanket together. And so we would often, <laughs> often accuse them of, do we, do we need to, uh, do we need to leave the room so y'all can have a little makeout time? So, uh, that was our staff meetings. That's great. Um, yeah, well, you know, I, we kind of felt like the alternative was having you and Paul sharing a blanket on the love seat. And so we thought <laughs> y'all would be more comfortable on the couch. So, uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for bringing that up. It's great. So Jason, Ironically enough, your content for our spring break trip was going to be talking about anxiety and how just even talking about your personal experience, whether your personal story, but then also just having a, a biblical perspective, how you engage with that in your personal life. And, and, uh, and lo and behold, we don't get to go to Dustin to hear about anxiety because a pandemic breaks out. So uh, would love to just kind of start that conversation with you um, even just with the last couple of weeks with everything going on with the coronavirus and anxiety for you and knowing your story, what share with us a little bit about how you've, what you've been experiencing. Yeah. Um, I'll rewind a little bit. So at Eastern Kentucky, uh, my life really fell apart in a lot of ways and it was around this whole issue of anxiety um, it had been growing in my life for a number of years. And uh, Friday afternoon, we're playing ultimate Frisbee with students. And I feel this feel this pounding in my chest. And it's like my heart feels like it's jumping out of my chest. And I try to chill out over that weekend. and But the anxiety level is just continuing to ramp up. At that point in my life, I'd become pretty OCD in a lot of ways. Mm. Pretty much a germaphobe. Um, constantly checking, uh, maybe locks or to see if I left the oven on or, um, always saying, what if, what if this happens or what if this, mm -hmm. what if this, and uh, these heart palpitations, I came to realize after meeting with some doctors and even working with a counselor that in some ways, this was my heart responding to the stress and anxiety that I was feeling internally. And so I might have one of these palpitations and then I would worry, oh gosh, I hope that doesn't happen again. Mm. The next thing I know that worrying about if it's going to happen again leads to another one, which leads to another one. And so this spiral downhill starts to where I'm completely overcome by panic and anxiety. And there's about a three year period where it was extremely, extremely difficult. And, uh, I would say backbreaking and paralyzing. Mm. And so that, so that with that as a backdrop, um, was going to talk some about that in my way to towards healing and finding God as a refuge on spring break. Mm -hmm. And so it is real ironic that it got canceled for um, things that I can struggle with greatly, which would be, I mean, everybody's living like a germaphobe right now. Mm -hmm. And there's a sense of what if I get this or what if my family gets this or what if it continues to grow? So um, those have been things that I've really been wrestling with even the last few days. Yeah. Yeah. I actually went to Walmart today and uh, the only way that Heather would let me go is if I wore one of her scarves as a bandana uh, over my mouth and nose. And so um, I was pretty self-conscious actually, but uh, uh, yeah. hopefully we're, 
we're in good shape as a family. But yeah, would love to. Did you look uh, like a bandit from the Wild West? You know, Heather actually thought I looked pretty good, but um, no, I, I wouldn't say wearing wearing her scarf. I would say um, more hipster, less bandit of the Wild West. So not uh, the most intimidating uh, look. <laughs> I think it had watermelons on it. <laughs> so yeah, not not super intimidating. Yeah, nobody thought you were Jesse James walking in there. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. So, um, yeah, thinking along those lines, you, t- you talked about God as a refuge and, and for you, I, I would love for you to may- maybe go a little bit deeper, expound on that ways that you have encountered God as a refuge, whether from your past or even in these last couple of weeks. But I know that that's something, and, and you and I have had some really in-depth conversations about this because I've had a similar experience. I've had physical manifestations, chest pain with anxiety, um, that kind of stuff, OCD. Um, and so you and I have had some pretty good conversations. So I'd love for you to go a little bit deeper about um, what you've discovered about your view of God and finding God to be a, a refuge, maybe even some helpful passages that you would take us to. Yeah, I uh, have a Bible here in front of me, and I already turned to Psalm 46. Mm-hmm. And this this passage is probably one of the more healing passages to me during that time. I would say that, in some sense, God's Word was one of the main healing instruments in my recovery. Mm-hmm. And so, if if you got a Bible at home, maybe grab it. But you can look here, starting in verse one. The writer says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. So if you look at the second part of verse two and into verse three there, it speaks of trouble and it speaks of difficulty. And the situation here is is a... uh, is like a natural disaster. And you see, it says two things that are seen as immovable, the, the earth and mountains, things you would never think would move. They fall into the heart of the sea. This is like, like an earthquake happening. And the sea to an ancient person was viewed as mysterious. It was viewed as menacing, maybe a sense of evil to it. And so the, the mountains fall into this menacing, mysterious place. And notice it says the waters roar there and they foam. And so this is a chaotic, anxiety, stress-filled scenario. Hmm. And for me, that's what I had felt in my life. Like my life felt just like that 15 years ago. And I thought, what am I going to do? And so I really resonated here with the writer because he says God's our refuge, which means like he's our safe place. He's our shelter. He's our strength. Um, you know, I was thinking about with this, like imagine, uh, imagine Weston, you're a five-year-old boy again. And uh, let's say, uh, let's say you're out in the yard and this, this big dog comes up, maybe a Doberman pincher, or maybe, maybe the neighborhood bully who's like a, a sixth grader and he's like a foot taller than you. And he comes up and so you feel just great anxiety. 
And then around the corner comes your dad, who's like six foot two, 225 pounds. And he picks you up. And all of a sudden, you have a strength that you didn't have before. Hmm. And now the dog isn't as scary. The bully pales in comparison to your dad. And so you feel not only that you've come to know a refuge, but this refuge has given you a strength. And so he says here, God is a strength. And he says he's a very present help in trouble. And then the words, therefore, we will not fear. And so as I look back on that time years ago, and even here lately, it's like, well, I'm fearing. I, I feel panic. I feel tense. Mm-hmm. I feel anxious. And, and so through that, I was able to begin to work through God. I don't know that I really understand you as refuge. Mm-hmm. And I don't under, know that I understand you as strength and very present help to the degree that this writer does. And God began to take me down that path in that direction during those days, mm-hmm. which has given me a place to go even during these days, mm-hmm. which have also been challenging days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's a passage that I've frequented, frequented recently myself. And, um, you know, I, I think for a long time, I, when I pictured that uh, uh, that chapter, Psalm 46, and, and, you know, the kind of the most famous verse of it is 4610, where it talks about be still and know that he is God. And, and usually in my mind, I kind of have this picture of like a, a real quiet nature scene, uh, just very serene, maybe like a mountain lake or a mountain stream or something. But really, as you just shared, that's not at all what's happening in that psalm. It's it's stability and strength are being plunged into chaos. Um, and so to see God as, as a refuge when, like you said, everything is kind of breaking apart. Everything that we would look to as a shelter is, is crumbling on top of us, uh, which I think is pretty fitting to the, the time that we're in right now. Um, talk to us a little bit about that idea of being still. And, and that's something that I feel like you've really had a heart to share with students in recent years, um, talking about silence and solitude and, and, you know, especially as you think about current culture, technology in our culture, stillness is, is basically non-existent. Um, I feel like among our students, stillness, uh, they don't have a concept for that. They, they don't feel productive. They, they have to be productive. They have to be producing something. And if they're not, then their escape from that is going to be Netflix or social media or something, something with technology. And so talk a little bit about silence and solitude and how you've seen those things play out in your life. Yeah, that's a, um, that's definitely a layered question. I think uh, he mentions it here in verse 10, be still and know that I am God. He talks about being exalted among the nations and in the earth. And for me to experience the God of verse one in this Psalm in a lot of ways came through learning to be still and to sit in the quiet and to, to reflect on what I'm feeling 
what I'm believing about God or my situation and trying to, in a sense, uh, replace my trust, not in my old ways, but in what the Bible was telling me about who God was. Mm -hmm. And so to be quiet gave me the opportunity to think through those things. And like you said, our modern world today, we always have something in our hand where we're in a sense addicted to our phones. Uh, we always have to have noise. And so often what that noise does in all these voices, think about all the voices that come at us through radio, through Netflix, through social media, through billboards and newspapers and televisions and friends and family. So many voices crying out to us every day and in the middle of that mess often what happens is the voice of god gets suppressed and we push it down and we listen to all these other voices and so what being still does is it allows us to to declutter and, and to push all these competing voices to the side so that we can listen to the voice that matters most mm. and we can give our ear and our attention to him and we can begin to understand the world as he has made it. We can begin to understand him as he has made us. We can understand um, what Christ has really done for us in his life, death, and resurrection. And so being still gives us that opportunity. And honestly, probably a lot of us are afraid of the silence. We're, mm -hmm. we're afraid of, of the loudness of it. And we can't deal with that. And so we run to all these other things, almost like a security blanket. Hmm. Yeah. So here's kind of a final question with that. I'd love for you to, to get a little bit more practical with this. So when we talk about being still, yeah, what does that even mean? Like, does that mean uh, I, I just need to find like a, uh, you know, put a chair in my room and, and, make sure that I've, I've kind of turned off all the, you know, the TV, the, my phone, whatever. And I'm just going to sit there in silence. Like what, what do I do to kind of put myself in this place where I can even hear God's voice and be sensitive to uh, what's causing this anxiety in my life? That's a great question. I mean, for me, that has grown over the years in terms of what I do. Um, I would say at a starting point, it would be um, it would be beginning to put yourself under the word of God. And, and this could take place in a few settings. This can take place in your local church. This can, can take place in a Bible study. This can take place uh, maybe at your crew weekly meeting. But also it needs to take place personally on your own. Uh, this is often what we call quiet time. But, but it's me putting myself before the word of God and asking God to, to show me who he is and to show me what I am like and to show me my need for him. And for me, um, I had to learn how to read the Bible. I wasn't I, I, I couldn't stand reading books in high school. I tried to basically skim my way through English classes. And so learning to read um, and to comprehend that was a process and even how to read and understand the Bible. Um, also began to get like a blank journal book. And I just began to take 
like take notes or write out what I was thinking or what I was feeling. Um, even now during this coronavirus, there's been times where I've written down, why am I feeling anxious? What is I'm anxious about? And I try to get down to some of the roots of it and then remind myself who God is towards me. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to replace, replace um, my foundations with a deeper foundation in God. So I would say a time alone with the Bible, like having some sort of book to journal can be helpful. And I usually encourage people like, don't listen to music while you're reading. Mm -hmm. Just be quiet. Um, Sometimes I'll sit and I'll just soak in a passage. So if it's talking about the love of God towards his people or the grace of God, I'll just sit there and try to have a posture of receiving that, of, Mm -hmm. of trusting that, of believing that. And that I don't have to earn it or achieve it or make it happen for God to be okay with me, but just to receive the idea that God is my refuge or that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so I just try to maybe be quiet and uh, sometimes might even have my hands just in a, God, I want to receive this truth and believe it. Help me to live into it. Um, some other practical things I might do is I might try to limit the amount of other voices I'm taking in on a daily basis. Mm. Um, some of this started because of a counselor that was working with me. He'd say, Jason, turn off your radio in the car sometimes and just enjoy the presence of God. Just enjoy the quiet. And that's really grown on me over the years. Mm. Um, I'll put my phone down. I don't keep my phone in my pocket all the time. I will put it, when I get home, I'll put it down on top of the refrigerator. And sometimes a, a two, three, four hours might pass without me looking at it. And so that keeps the voices of the phone and email away. Um, I don't, uh, sometimes I'll just read a book in the quiet. So so I'll, I'll try to make some choices. Like if I'm walking in between classes, I'm a student. I might not have the, air, the AirPods in, I might take them out just to to enjoy the creation and look around and see what God has made and see how he speaks through what he's made. Hmm. So, so those would be a few, a few um, maybe practical ideas. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, I, I totally agree with what you said. That is something that you've grown into. And I, I feel the same for myself because it's, it's very unnatural. Um, and I appreciate too what you said about trying to get to the root uh, of the anxiety. And, and so even thinking about, you know, the, the root of why, why do I have to have my phone on me all the time? Why do I have to check every notification as soon as it comes in? Some of that is because of this root of even self-importance for me. And, and just, I feel, I feel like somebody needs me. I feel like I'm valuable if I'm getting these notifications, if people need me, if people are emailing me or texting me or whatever. And so I appreciate you talking through that. And, and that, yeah, it is something that, that you grow into over time because of how unnatural it is, especially in our culture. So, um, Jason, well, I appreciate you being with us and, uh, and, and yeah, just, you know, again, I, I hate it that we didn't get to hear the the full content from, what you're going to share with us at spring break, but even just being willing to come on today and share some of your personal story and, and how you have walked with God through this. And, and I think it, 
applies to, to our lives in so many ways, whether our anxiety is about the coronavirus or for students, maybe they're not worried about that at all. Maybe their concern is still over their classes that they're trying to finish out online. And uh, regardless of, of where that's coming from, there's an opportunity for us to, to, to go a little bit deeper and figure out, engage and, um, and be still and uh, know that God is God. Uh, that he is refuge, that he is shelter. So thanks for sharing that with us today. Sure. Great to hang out with you. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, we, uh, we've got more coming in the last few weeks of the semester here, but, uh, yeah, Jason, thanks for being with us. For sure. See you later.